Let's start with this. And by the way, for anybody who communicates publicly, what I just did was the biggest mistake that you can ever make when you stand up to give a speech. How do most, and this not that this is a speech. We do have fans, though, as you noticed last week. Um, there's this rule about public speaking that I learned, and I've, I've watched it work out, and it's very true. What do most people do? This, is not, this has nothing to do with anything we're going to talk about, which I continue to make the same error, and you'll see why in just a second. When people come out, they're introduced, they come out usually and they say, hi, it's so great to be here. I want to thank so-and-so for, for the introduction, or they say something like, is this on? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? You know what the error is? When you speak to someone, you have about 19 seconds to get their attention. And if you start with, thank you so much, it's a real pleasure to be here. I, I'm so looking forward to sharing these words today that I've, I've gotten and downloaded from heaven. Bam, people are out, they check out. What do you do? You're supposed to start with something that's like, gets their attention. It either makes them mad, makes them wonder what in the world you're talking about, frustrates them, leaves them hanging. So for today, if you learn nothing from what I'm about to tell you from the Word of God, you now know how to open your next public speech, okay? And put stories in there too. People like stories. Now, concerning him, we have much to say. Another rule, you don't come out of the chute and start reading things. So I'm breaking all the rules today, but this is an important read. Listen, I want you to tell me where it comes from. Concerning him, we have much to say. It's difficult to explain since you have become poor listeners. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the actual words of God. You've come to need milk, not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unacquainted with the word of righteousness, for he is an infant. But solid food is for the mature, who because of practice have their senses trained to distinguish between good and evil. What's the book? What was it? Nobody's going to be wrong. We studied this book extensively for about 20 weeks or so. Hebrews. Hebrews. Now, what I just read you, that's not very nice, what he just told those people. Did you hear what he said? He said, you, we, and, and by the way, we, we conveniently skipped over this part. This is Hebrews 5, the end of Hebrews 5. It's not very nice. He's saying to all of his readers and to the people who are, he's trying to encourage, you know what? You don't listen. You're sluggish in hearing. In other words, if you were really listening, you would be able to understand what I'm telling you or what I really want to tell you, but you're not listening. You're asleep. 
your poor listeners, if you were awake and aware, then we would be able to go into the things that I want to share with you about the priestly order of Melchizedek, about the Olam Hazeh, this world, and the Olam Haba, the next world. And we would be able to talk about the heavenly temple versus the earthly temple and Yeshua's heavenly priesthood and the, and the Kohanim and the earthly priesthood. We'd be able to talk about all those things, but guess what? You don't listen. And furthermore, if you were worth your salt, you'd be able to teach it to other people. Because by now, you ought to be able to do that. Because that's what disciples do. That's what the word means. They learn, they do, they teach. Anyone, anyone spend any time in medical school in here? David, there's a rule in medical school. Hopefully it's when they're learning and they're working with cadavers, not real people. But it is, it's see one, do one, teach one. That rule, you see why you don't want it to be you that they're operating on. See one, do one, teach one. Try it with him. See how he, no, 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 please. But that's what disciples are supposed to do. We're supposed to see it in action from our Messiah, the one that discipled us. Then we're supposed to do it. And then we're supposed to teach others to do it. And that's what he's saying. You need to pay attention because you're going to have to learn it and teach it. Now, I've just basically in reading his words told you that you don't listen well, that you're drinking baby milk, and you should be better than you are. You should be more than you are. You should be teachers, but he's not done. He's still not done with his short little one paragraph rebuke. You have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the actual words of God. Now that's important. You should know this stuff. It's the basics. It is, according to the interlinear, the green interlinear Bible, this elementary principles, it's the rudiments of the beginnings of the oracles of God. It's hard to get simpler than that. These are the basics, the building blocks, the ABCs, the first principle of a subject. You should know the basic meaning. And that phrasing from the New American Standard, that you need somebody to show you again the actual words of God, it is so relevant for us in Messianic Judaism. Why? Because that's exactly what we try to do. At, at Shalom Macon, in, in well-grounded Messianic synagogues around the world, at First Roots of Zion, everywhere. What we try to help people see is the historical, contextual, biblical, actual things that God was saying, not the 2,000-year twisted way of interpreting it separated completely from the moorings of Judaism. So this is really relevant for us when it says, you need somebody to show you what the Bible is actually saying. To teach it. Now, we, we did that previously with Hebrews, if you remember. Hebrews has a very, very Christian interpretation. Um, why? 
because a lot of Christians have interpreted Hebrews and not a lot of Jews have other than the ones who read it and wrote it and, you know, shared it with everybody. But as an example, in that book, we talked about Hebrews 8, 13. He said a new covenant. When he said a new covenant, he's made the first obsolete. And what is becoming obsolete and growing old is about to disappear. You remember, we talked about how bad that word is. To talk about the Torah, the word of God becoming obsolete And so there were a lot of those things that we did in the Hebrew series. We looked at what are the actual things. 2,000 years of not understanding the actual words of God because of the divorce that took place between synagogue and church. But I realized that to a degree I failed you in that series. Because by omitting this section, Hebrews 6 now, the elementary principles, by not covering the rudiments of the beginning of the oracles of God, that, that, that not covering what the author of Hebrews is suggesting are the basics, if we're going to be teachers, if we're going to affect the world for Messiah, if we're going to be kingdom builders, these are the basics. They are milk Milk is important, actually. It has a real negative connotation, but last week I fed my grandson for the first time. You know what I fed him? Milk. I think he thinks it's important. (laughs) Mammals think it's important. That has a very negative connotation. So you're just drinking milk, but if you don't drink the milk, not the Kool-Aid, that's already been drunk for a long time, but the milk... If you don't drink the milk, you can't move past. Now, of course, in Judaism, we don't drink milk with meat. Just getting that out there. He has concerns that the people he's trying to connect with and give a deep biblical teaching that is going to be important for them as the world deconstructs, he's concerned that they don't have a foundation, right? And, 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 and they didn't. 1900 years ago, you know, living in Israel, in that time, they're so close to Messiah, and yet the author is saying to them, guys, come on. Now, here's my question. If they were struggling to know the elementary principles, 1900-something years later, where are we? Where is the body of Messiah in general in understanding the elementary principles of God. I would suggest not very close because 1900 years drives quite a wedge when the picture is not painted properly. And that is what I hope to address in the following weeks with this series. I I thought about calling it, it's elementary, my dear disciples, because that's from Sherlock Holmes, but a bit of trivia. It's not from Sherlock Holmes. It's elementary, my dear Watson, is not found in any Arthur Conan Doyle books anywhere. Sherlock Holmes never said that in the original writings. Still, the title works. It's elementary, my dear disciples. As a side note, here's the thing. I didn't really fail you in the series. Do you know why? Do you know why it was okay for me to just like skip right on past that? Because that's exactly what he does. (laughs) He says, 
These are the things you really ought to know. You're not listening. How can you not know these? You should be a teacher. These are milk and you're not drinking. You're not, you're not, you don't have it. But anyway, on to the next thing. And that's kind of what we did. What are the elementary principles? And that's, that's his exact quote. He says, therefore, leaving the elementary teaching about the Messiah, let us press on to maturity. That's kind of what we did. We just left them sitting nicely in chapter 6. And these are what they are. A foundation of repentance from dead works, faith toward God, instruction about washings, baptisms in the plural, Laying on of hands, wow, that one has been, whew, about the resurrection of the dead and about eternal judgment. We skipped those, so now we're going to circle back. But Rabbi, we know these things. Come on. Resurrection, repentance, geez, how much, baptism? Come on, we passed up that milk a long time ago. Here's the interesting thing. How many of you, and if you didn't hear the Hebrew series, this isn't, a pro, this isn't applicable, and I'm sorry for that, but how many of you brought a certain interpretation into Hebrews as we began to study it? How many of you had certain interpretations from the things that you had heard all your life about what Hebrews says, about the old covenant being dead and obsolete, and you know that, that the Jews, that they sacrificed their way to heaven, and that they gave sacrifice, I mean, all the things we talked about, that was the whole purpose of the series. But everybody came in with a certain interpretation. And that, those interpretations we challenged as we looked at them with their firm foundation in Judaism. And whether or not that series changed your mind about anything at all, it made you think, at least, I hope. Because that's usually what we do when our theological foundations are challenged. We think about them. We say, wait a minute, is what he's saying, does that have any merit at all? I, I say we do because a lot of people don't. All they simply say is, you're a heretic. I'm not going to listen to you anymore because you just said something that I don't agree with. That's not how you grow in discipleship. But anyway, my point is that you brought, yes, you may have an understanding of what you believe these elementary principles to be. But my guess is my strong suggestion, my strong inclination says that whatever you interpret them currently to be could be from a Christian perspective. That is not what these are. That is not what these are. It's basic, it's milk, it's all those things. But it needs to be understood in its original historical Jewish context. Why? Because it is the basics. Now, who can benefit? This is, by the way, my series introduction. Who can benefit? Everyone, I hope. I hope everyone can get something out of this, but certainly newer people. We have a number of newer people who do not have a like extensive um, uh, diploma in Messianic Jewish studies. And so that's important because I get a lot of questions, confusions from new people in Messianic Judaism. 
And, and like the people I just talked about, the right kind of disciples who are hungry, who want to know more, their classic phrasing is, I read the Bible and something's missing. Like the Bible says we should do this and we're doing this. Why? Where's the breakdown? So, so part of this is to help uh, uh, uncover the actual words of God, as the author of Hebrews says we should do, and read them Jewishly. These are the beginning, because in our study, what we will observe, though, what we will observe is that these principles are, in essence, the gospel message of Messiah Yeshua. Who thinks that that is relatively important to be able to know and teach? I do. And it's incumbent upon me to, to, to study, to show myself approved, and then to share that. So what you're going to find is, as we look over these elementary principles, you're going to be very surprised to know that these are primarily Pharisee ideas. How does that sit, and I'm not being adversarial, but how does that sit in the Christian church on Sunday? We're going to talk about Hebrews and the important little components of it, and we're going to make ourselves into 21st century Pharisees. Yay! That'll go over well. These principles, though, have been spiritualized by the church and once again separated from what they need to mean. And worse than that, worse than that, it's not just that the meanings are confusing. The meanings are in opposition to what they actually mean. What is taught is the opposite of what they mean. And that's not just a little bit of deception. That's like dangerous. Dangerous. These are, these are the spiritual foundation. You know, everyone is familiar with the four spiritual laws, right? Does everyone know those? Bill Bright, Campus Crusade for Christ in the 1960s, he came up with these four spiritual laws that were the sort of the foundation of sharing Jesus with people. They have since become sort of a standard model. God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Number one, that's good to know. Humanity is tainted by sin and therefore separated from God. As a result, we cannot know God's wonderful plan for our lives. Number two. Number three, Jesus Christ is God's only provision for our sin. Through Jesus Christ, we can have our sins forgiven and restore a right relationship with God. Number four, we must place our faith in Jesus Christ as Savior in order to receive the gift of salvation and know God's wonderful plan for our lives. The four spiritual laws. Sounds pretty good. And a lot of people have come to know Yeshua by this model. So we don't, we don't speak negatively about it. But, but number four in particular, we must place our faith in Jesus Christ as Savior in order to receive the gift of salvation and know God's wonderful plan for our lives. What does it mean to place our faith in Jesus Christ? Here's the standard answer. If you want to trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior, say the following words to God. Saying these words will not save you, but trusting in Christ will. This prayer is simply a way to express to God your faith in Him and thank Him for providing your salvation. And here are the words. God, 
I know that I have sinned against you and deserve punishment, but Jesus Christ took the punishment that I deserve so that through faith in him I could be forgiven. I place my trust in you for salvation. Thank you for your wonderful grace and forgiveness, the gift of eternal life. Amen. That is on gotquestions.org, one of the most widely searched, you ready? Sites for people with questions about the Bible. It's quite aptly named. Gotquestions.org. That's, that's, that's the thing. That's the formula. These are the elementary principles of Christianity. Because really, and this is going to be a little edgy, but you're used to that. All that really matters in Christianity is, is Jesus Christ. That's, that is it. Now, I'm not, not in any way suggesting that there aren't, you know, other things and different, different ways of practicing that. And I would never suggest for one millisecond that the church has not transformed the world by its doing of good deeds. But, but I, we place our faith in Jesus Christ as Savior. Is it a prayer and a prayer alone? Can, can we, can we, will we still be disciples of Yeshua if we ignore, don't understand, don't implement, don't teach the elementary principles that the Bible says are foundational milk? Do we need to know these things? Yes, we must know them even beyond the prayer and placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And that leaves things very ambiguous on purpose because I want you to come back. We see that the author of Hebrews finds these principles as the basics, and they are firmly rooted in a Jewish worldview. I will be drawing much from several books, the Didache, first century, first century manual for Gentiles, for followers of Yeshua in the first century, written by Jews, most likely, to Gentiles, to understand how we come into this faith. What do we do? What's it look like? What's it really mean to be a disciple? What is it more than just making a prayer? Is that all I have to do? Or like, should I have some preparation and some understanding of what I'm getting myself into? Maybe like counting the cost in certain things. And the Didache does a tremendous job of talking about this. So does a book by Daniel Lancaster called Elementary Principles. I found that some of my best teaching is when I'm able to piggyback back off of Daniel's books and I give him first and foremost credit for his very, very significant works in Messianic Jewish scholarship. So here's a quote that he says. This list of elementary principles can be read as essential prerequisite doctrines and practices incumbent upon the new believer. Craig Keener in this um, New Testament commentary. The writer probably chooses these items as the basics because they were the basic sort of instructions about Jewish belief given to converts to Judaism, which the author's readers would have understand. These items represented Jewish teachings still useful for followers of Christ. How many of you 
in your career, in your Christian circles, Methodist, Baptist, Lutheran, any of it, how many of you received a message on the elementary principles and how they apply to bringing Jewishness into your Christian walk? Who had that message? I sadly didn't think so. And you know what? It's got to be there. Or you're getting half the story. You're getting one of those color by numbers things, color color by numbers with all the little numbers, and all of the all of the all of the numbers that are you're supposed to be using certain colors for. All of the numbers are screwed up, like they don't match what it is. So you're coloring this thing, and what is that? What is that? Well, that what is that? Ah, uh, that looks like. Vomit. I mean, I don't even, that's nothing. You have to have the key in order to make it work right. And as we have established for the last 11 years and going, the Jewish understanding of the scriptures is the key. It is not every answer, but it is important. So, why do this? Well, there's sort of an important thing. It is impossible in the case of those who've once been enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift, have been made partakers of the Holy Spirit, and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come, and then to have fallen away. It's impossible to restore them again to repentance, he says. since they crucified to themselves the Son of God. In other words, and once again, it's really important that you know these things for you and for others. If you lose these things, you forget the foundation. It will be impossible to find your way back. That's pretty significant. And that has happened. Not in terms of sin or not being able to repent or anything like that. I'm saying the the. And, and I know I sound bad, like I'm really bashing the church, and I don't want to do that because that's not my intention. But the, the path just veered off, and the foundation was lost. But there's a funny part. One message you have heard in your prior communities or your prior church experiences, nothing really about the, the significance of the elementary principles, but that part of Hebrews, that part of Hebrews where people say, wait a minute now, did he, is he saying I could lose my salvation? I mean, what, and, and you look at the commentaries on Hebrews 6, and it's nothing about resurrection of the dead, instructions about washings or uh, eternal judgment. Those things, what, that's not in there. What is is, well, no, he, when he says you, you, you can't find your ba- way back, he's talking to those who, are, who haven't been saved yet, or he's talking to those who are a quarter saved, or they sort of made a decision. I mean, who cares about that part when the foundational stuff is what needs to be known. Now, here's the example. And I don't even know if this makes sense. It just popped into my head this morning. What it is, to, to, to have someone worried about their, their, whether or not they can lose their foundation, I mean, lose their salvation, it's like saying to a kid, listen, l- listen, If you eat your vegetables, you'll be healthy and strong. Okay, mom. 
But if I don't eat my vegetables and I grow up small, weak, and unhealthy, then can I go back and eat my vegetables and fix it? No, you can't. You need to do it while you can do it. You need to do it with the foundations and the building blocks. That's why we're telling you. That's why the author of Hebrews is saying, guys, come on. Focus on what we do now, not how to fix what we didn't do. So, leaving behind the elementary teaching about the Messiah, it literally says this, leaving behind the word of the beginning about Messiah. That's what he says. What does that mean? The whole journey with Yeshua begins right here with these things. And most people don't think that's where their journey began. Their journey began by saying a prayer. But there's so much more. These principles are where life with Messiah begins. It's more than a list. It's a gospel message. It's a recipe for success. Listen, milk, milk is easy to drink. Babies do it. Coming to Yeshua shouldn't be hard. We, shouldn't, it's, we don't give T-bone steaks to babies. We give them milk because they can enjoy it and strengthen them and it brings them on to maturity. And so I edited this famous um, slide because this was the other possible name for our series. We need to revisit the milk a little bit and don't think that is a criticism because it nourishes you and strengthens you for the days and the journey ahead. Sadly, some of the teaching about becoming a disciple and living in as one and making others disciples, the, these elementary principles, it's the wrong milk. It's not fit for consumption what's being taught. It's spoiled milk. It's bad for you. So we're going to correct that. Milk does the body good. And digesting these principles, which I gave them to you before, but I'll tell you one more time, these are the elementary principles. A foundation of repentance from dead works. Clearly that means we abandon the Torah. Faith toward God. Clearly that means we say a prayer. Instructions about washings. That's all about how we build the baptismal at the front of the church. Laying on of hands. That's how we call down the power of the Holy Spirit and heal the sick. About the resurrection of the dead, eternal judgment. I'm being sarcastic and facetious because that is not at all what it's about. But we're going to learn what it's about. Yes? Good. Verse 6-3, this we will do if God permits. I hope he will. And may we do it together and be strengthened as we move forward in our journey as disciples of Messiah. Amen. Come back. We'll talk about the gospel next week. What is the gospel? We're building the kingdom and thankful that you're a part of that mission. If this teaching inspired you, please consider a financial gift to support the work of Shalom Macon. Visit MaconMessianic.com and click Give Online. May the Lord bless and keep you.